April 1st, 2022, in Masechet Bet. If you count down in the wide lines, it's six lines down, the first word on the line, Itmar. It was said in the Bet Midrash, the following situation. This begins a new segment in the discussion of Avodah Zarah. As Rashi explained, as we discussed at the beginning, at the end of class yesterday, although in general we attribute those uh, to our emotions, our approach to Akadosh Baruch Hu. Over here it's a reference to the person who's compelling you, who's convincing you to do Avodah Zarah because of your love for that person or your fear of that person. That's why you're worshipping Avodah Zarah. In such a circumstance, are you liable? Are you Hayav Mita? Or are you alternatively Patur? You shouldn't be doing it anyway. Are you Patur? Again, I'm not doing it with my heart involved with the Avodah Zarah as it being my God, as it representing some deity. I'm doing it because of Ahava or Yira of a person. My love, my awe, my fear of a person. You think the fear has more power than the... Than the love? I don't know. Yeah, right, so that's an important... Uh, alternatively, uh, sometimes people are so infatuated with a person that they just get driven by them even if they don't believe in it. You're right. A person is not in his right mind. Good way to say it. But again, it's not honest per se, although he's not doing it willingly. It's something in between, perhaps. Says the Gemara, Abaye Amar Hayav, Rava Amar Patur. Abaye says in such a person, there's such a circumstance, that person is Hayav Mitat, Avodazara. Rava Amar Patur, he's not liable to death. He shouldn't have, it sounds like he shouldn't be doing it, but he's Patur. Abaye Amar Hayav, Dehapalha. Abaye says, ultimately speaking, you worshipped, you did Avodah. Rava Amar Patur, why you Patur? Ikibele Ale Be'eloa in. Ilo, lo. What's that? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. As it says, says Rava, the, re- the distinction over here is uh, between whether you actually were Mikabel, you accepted this being, this entity, as your God. If you didn't, well, then you're not Hayab. It's not Avodah Zarah. If you did, of course, you're Hayab. Over here, you're doing a Me'ahava Nathan asks, go ahead. Nathan asks, Morris asked it at the very end of the class after the recording yesterday. says, wait a second, isn't this one of the three? The Gemara on Daf'ayin Dalit. I told Morris you have to hang out for Tosafot. Isn't the Gemara on Daf'ayin Dalit Amudalif quite clear? There are three sins for which we go against everything else we say in the Torah. For 610 mitzvot in the Torah, we say, Bahai Bahim. Which means to say, even if a person puts a gun to your head and says, violate, don't do this mitzvah, go against this prohibition, you, you, you do so in such a circumstance, instead of taking the bullet. However, for the three cardinal sins, for kidui arayot, shifichut amim, and most importantly for us right now, avodah zarah, we say yehareg vel ya'avor, which means to say, you're supposed to take that bullet. We don't say v'chai bahim. The Gemara derives it from all different pesukim. By avodah zarah, it learns it from the pasuk You're supposed to love God. Even if your soul is being taken from you. Asks Tosafot, Rava, what happened to you? Rava, are you going against such a law? The Gemara quite clearly it says nimnu v'gamru ba'aliyat bet nitzeh belud. And the halacha is, and it was accepted that you have to take a bullet in order to not worship Avodah Zarah. You need to be killed. How could Rava be telling us Patur? 
Tosafot offers two different answers. The first answer says Tosafot, perhaps, in truth, you weren't supposed to do this. Nobody is saying that this person who's Oved Me'ahavah Mira did the right thing. You weren't supposed to do that. Once, I, once you went ahead and did it, let's call it Mi'ira Patu. Such a circumstance, we say it's be'ones, or alternatively, we say it's not, not actually avodazara in our sugya. Alternatively, the second answer, Tosafot, Tosafot quotes from Vyesh Mefarshim, says Tosafot that maybe Yehareg Val Yavor calls it Tosafot is bistam avodat kochavim. Over here, it's a bit different. Over here, it's me'ahava which means to say our circumstance, our situation is not what the Gemara in the standard situation is talking about. Over there, person puts the bullet to your head and you're going to actually do Avodah Zarah. It might be caused by the fear of the person or of the consequences, but over here it's altogether different. Your whole impetus, your whole inspiration in going ahead and doing this is only Me'ahavah which means you're even further removed from the sin. That's the suggestion of Tosafot. Tosafot. Less fear for your life, more fear for the person. I have an awe of the person. Over there, the Gemara is saying, I'm, this is Tosafot's second suggestion. Over there, the Gemara is saying, I'm actually worshipping, but I'm doing it because I have a bullet, to, I have a gun to my head. Uh, Tosafot over here is suggesting, you're not actually doing it at all. Your whole activity is only a Ahavan Yira activity. Oh, it's my heart of hearts. I'm not actually even doing Avodah Again, it's hard to imagine how a person, when they have a gun to their head, actually inspire themselves to Avodah as opposed to just going through the actions. But that's what the Gemara would ostensibly be talking about on Dafa'in Dalit. Tosafot goes on to reference, as we'll read in a moment or two in the Gemara, the case of Haman. Haman and Megillat Aster seems to be a circumstance of Yira'ah. And according to the Hachamim's understanding, he makes himself into Abu Dazara. And Mordechai won't bow down to him, which is an interesting circumstance. The Gemara will liken that to an Ahava and Yira situation, in which case Tosafot questions Rava. Rava, why? And we'll see it in the Gemara a bit. Why would Mordechai not be bowing down to Haman? Okay, so that's what Tosafot's conversation is about. But again, that vision, that understanding is already our situation. A person's Oved Me'ahava Umira. Now, what the Gemara will do over the course of some time now, some space now, is to challenge those two opinions, to tease them out, to try to understand who's right and who can prove themselves accordingly. Jesse, question? I was going to ask about Haman. Yeah. Right. Right. So one of the two answers of Tosafot that you're referring to is the Gemara and Masechet Megillah. The Gemara and Masechet Megillah suggests that Haman had Taluya al Savaro, he had some necklace of some sort, an actual Avodah which means to say Tosafot says that was different. Over there, there was an actual, according to that second answer, right? There was, a, there was an actual Avodah on him indeed. But hang on for the Gemara to even discuss more explicitly Haman. Says the Gemara onward again, Siman, Eved, Yishtahaveh, Mashiach. That's a Siman, it's a way, it's a mnemonic of the way you can understand and remember the ensuing lines, because we're going to bring several different proofs. That would be the first letter in some of these proofs. It was a way of memorizing the Shaklev and the Gemara. Ve'amar Abaye. Abaye now is going to defend himself, or rather offend Rava. He's going to bring a proof against Rava. Let's review very briefly. Rava says, Ha'oved me'ahaval mi'ira patur. Abaye says, Hayav. Now, Abaye is going to prove his case. Mina aminala. From where do I say this? In other words, what's my proof? Ditnan, after all, our Mishnah. 
Mishnah we had on Daf Samech, it said, Ha'oved avodat kochavim. Then it's a had ha'oved, ve'had ha'mezabeach, ve'mekater, and so forth. Which means to say, the Mishnah, if you recall, this was the first conversation we had in the Gemara just a few days ago. It goes as follows. It says, a person who worships avodah zarah, Hayav mita, hayav sekila. And then it says a person who slaughters, a person who uh, burns, a person who uh, uh, libates, and so forth. All those circumstances, hayav mita. It's a little bit redundant. You started with a general statement, ha'ovid, and then you detailed it, but it was as if these are two separate situations. You're describing avodah right afterwards. So why start with the word ha'ovid? What we suggested in the Gemara, and we'll return to over here, is that maybe they're talking about two separate situations. That was Rabbi Yirmiyah's answer at the very beginning of our conversations over here. Rabbi Yirmiyah said maybe Ha'oved is talking about if you do a kidarka, you do it the regular way. This Avodah Zarah, everybody libates, you libated. This Avodah Zarah, everyone slaughters, you slaughter. That's Ha'oved, Avodah Zarah. The next lines are, if you didn't do it in the regular fashion, you walked into the temple where they usually slaughter, and instead of slaughtering, you take your wine and you libate it. Are you liable in such a situation? That's called shiloh darka. you hayav over there as well. That was how we understood that redundancy in the past. Over here, Abaye has a different interpretation. Says Abaye, I'll tell you what the redundancy is. It goes like this. Ha'ovid, we start with avodat kochavim. Pause for a second. What's that talking about? Me'ahavam mi'irah. That was talking about a situation where you did it, not wholeheartedly, you did it only because of your love and fear of a person. Then we continue saying, if you did all these actions, meaning with the full intent of Avodah, you're also Hayav Mitah, which means to say Abaye is proving his case that Ha'oved me'ahaval mi'irah Hayav. Ha'oved avodat kochavim, ehad ha'oved v'chule. My love, should we not suggest the following, says Abaye, had ha'oved me'ahava umira. Isn't the first case in the Mishnah where it says ha'oved avodat kochavim talking about a situation of ha'oved me'ahava v'ira. Or alternatively, ha'oved avodat kochavim is talking about a regular situation and ehad afterwards is me'ahava umira. Either way you slice it, the redundancy is there and the way we're going to answer the reason the Mishnah seems to be repeating itself is because it's talking about two separate cases. And says the Gemara, that's not, that's not the only re- way of reading the Mishnah. Again, the Mishnah leaves much to the imagination, leaves much, much up to our creativity. The Mishnah just seems to be repeating itself. So we had one explanation in the past. Abaye, you have a different explanation. You can rest assured that your explanation is a viable explanation. However, we can instead, Rava says, prefer the opinion of Rabbi Yirmiyah. Rabbi Yirmiyah explained the Mishnah differently. He explained that the Mishnah is talking about if you do it, whether it's Kedarka or Shelo Kedarka, as I mentioned a moment ago. All right, so that's a rejected proof of Abaye. We have many more to come. Amar Abaye, mina aminala. Says Abaye, you think I only had one proof against you, Rava? I have another one. Mina from where? Aminala. Did I state this? I didn't just pull this out of thin air. I didn't just do this based on logic. I have proof for this. Titania, after all, the Beraita says, Lo lahem. There's an extra word in that pasuk. We're talking about Avodah Zaram. And the pasuk says, Lo lahem. Lahem means to them. Again, you told me, Lo and so on so Why do you have to tell me, Lahem, Lo What's Lahem? The derasha of the Chachamim is, Lahem You can't bow to the Avodah Zarah, but you may bow to a human being who's like you. Now again, the assumption is you're bound to that human being, not the Shem Avodah Zarah. Look how the Pasuk says, don't bow to false gods, 
but you could bow to a human being. So you look at me and say, who's crazy enough to bow to a human being? I don't know, you know, people do karate, they bow to human beings. People, out of an act of respect in certain countries, give a certain bow to human beings. Bowing to human beings is a reality in some cultures. What's that? The queen, the king, right? To the queen, the king, do people bow still? Curtsy, bow, whatever it was. Yeah, so there you go. So, so some people would bow. Is it Asur? The Baraita explicitly saying that it's not Asur. There's in one of the books about my father's rabbi, Rabbi Salvechik, says that someone once came to him and said they're involved in karate. And they said at the beginning of the karate match or whatever, duel, you have to bow. So they said, is it permitted to bow? He said, Asur. So they started quoting, I assume this Gemara. And I said, but Rabbi, how could it be Asur? So he says, I'm not saying it's Asur because of Avodah Zarah. He said, I'm saying it's Asur because it's stupid and doing stupid things is Asur. So anyway, so although it's Mutaf from Avodah Zarah, you can't do stupid things. I'm not, this is not a Pesach Halacha if you do karate and you do so. Anyway, that's it. So, okay, so so far we have uh, but you're allowed to to a human being. Uh, yeah, the, the wording though, no, Hayav and Patur. Those are perfect words. Hayav means you're liable for death penalty. Patur means although you shouldn't have done it, it's Asur, you're Patur, you don't get punished. You follow? That's Patur is generally speaking, 99 times out of 100, Patur of Al Asur. So that's the Mahlok. No, Abu Rabbah is not saying go ahead and do it. Rabbah doesn't want you involved even Mahadal Mira. What's that? Who told you that? Okay. Where, where, why? Who told you? According to Rava, as far as we know, Patu Lagamre. Says the Gemara, says the Beraita, How should we suggest that even if the person, you're not just bound to him in the karate match or the king or something like that out of respect, rather you're, you're, you're doing it because people worship this person, Kehaman. That's the understanding of the Hachamim, although it's not explicit in the Megillah, the Gemara Masich Megillah on Dafyotet suggests that Haman made himself, Rashi cites this on our Gemara, into a worshipped one, which means to say people were bowing to Haman, where Mordechai is not doing so, out of the power that was invested in him from the king, from Ahashverosh, but it was Me'ahavah Mi'ira, but he was Ne'evad. Oh, that's an interesting situation. He's being worshipped, but out of fear. Well, that's our case. So, so when we get an answer to whether this is Hayav or not, well, then we have an answer to the question of Ravana Bayet. There's an extra word, says Rashid, we already know the fact that the Pasuk repeats is teaching us that to a Ne'eva, to a person who's worshipped, you're not allowed to bow. Even if you're doing it, where nobody actually wants to do this, we're doing this. That's the word of the king. Well, that's a fascinating situation, says Abaye. I rest my case. You see, when it's explicit in the Pasuk, that the reason the people are bowing to Haman is based on the command of the king. That's explicit in Megillat Esther. We call that Mi'ira. Nonetheless, was he doing the right thing? That's what you're supposed to be doing. Says Abaye, you see, that's the halacha. Ultimately speaking, Haman, again, as Rashi fills in for us, the text, the, the Pasuk in Megillah makes clear it's because of the word of the king. He was Miyira, Virava. How would Rava respond to this? Is Abaye, he's got a knockout answer, knockout proof. Rava, Kehaman, Velo Kehaman. Says Rava, you're overdoing the example here in the Beraita. The Beraita is bringing an example of a person who's worshipped. 
Again, the Biraita says you're allowed to bow to a human being, but not when the person is worshipped. Example, Haman. Oh, I have a question. Haman's not the greatest example because it's me'ahaval mi'ira. Says Rabbi, that's right. The Beraita wasn't trying to overdo this and say it's exactly the case of Haman. It's giving Haman as an example of vantage point. You say to yourself, when would I ever bow to a human being? Oh, Haman. Not that the case and circumstance of Haman was identical to what we're actually talking about. Over there, you're right, it was me'ahaval mi'ira. You're right over there, you wouldn't be hayav, says Rabbi. Does that mean that Mordechai was wrong in what he was doing? No, not necessarily. Was it one of, was it one of the reasons the Jewish people were hayav mitah was because they bowed to Haman? That they were hayav mitah? So the, is, is there such an opinion in the Gemara? If that's the case, I don't remember all the opinions. You know, the most famous I remember, unfortunately, is the Sashinenu Mesyudatosh, but there's several opinions. So, uh, what I can tell you is that doesn't mean that that was, in circumstance, the hayuv mitah bedin. In other words, we would have put them to bed. To death. It means that they were wrong because they were doing the wrong thing, something along those lines. Anyway, it says Rava, Rava, Kehaman, Velo Kehaman. This is a good example of Haman, but not fully. Not, don't go to, uh, don't go to the, the bank with Haman as your paradigm. It's just an example of a case where you're ne'evah to a human being. Kehaman Haman's a great example because he himself made himself in the eyes of the rabbis into an avodazan, and that's how they're bowing to him. But you can't really take Haman as your paradigm, as your example of a situation where you're actually hayav mita. And if we had a court in the days of Mordechai and Esther, we're going to kill all the people for it. Because Haman was only inspired by Yira'ah, whereas in a regular circumstance, the Lota'ovdem, the Isur, the Hayyub, is only when it's Shilomira. All right, Abaye tried twice, he's not going to stop. Abaye is going to continuously, and then Rava will get involved, try to prove his pl- case. Abaye says, I have more to go. From where, the, what's my proof for this opinion? That Ha'oved me'ahaval mi'ira Hayav Ditanya. As the Beraita says, now this is a little bit more intricate, only because it introduces new laws. But nothing about the laws should be too intricate, too difficult for us. Kohen Mashiach ba'avodat kochavim. Rabbi Omer b'shigigat ma'asev. Hachamim omrim beheilem davar. There's a lot of concepts and details over here. First and foremost, what's a Kohen Mashiach? Makes you think like the Messiah. Mashiach over here is Mashuach. Mashuach means he's anointed. There were different stages in our history. It was a stage in Bayit Rishon, first Mikdash, when we anointed the Kohen Gadol. We had Shem and Hamishcha, and if the Kohen Gadol was going to be in charge, he was anointed with this special oil. After the first Mikdash and the second Mikdash, we no longer were anointing. We, uh, we, the only way you distinguish Kohen Gadol from Kohen Hediot is we called him Mirubeb Begadim. He had more clothing. He had eight sets of clothing as opposed to Kohen Hediot. All the other Kohanim only had four. When we talk about Kohen Mashiach, we're talking about in the first when we still had Mishiha uh, of Shemin. So that's what it means, Kohen Mashiach. Now, Ba'avodat Kochavim, Bar Minan, our most important person, falls price somehow to Avodah Zarah, but he's not doing it purposefully. He's doing it accidentally. Now, in general, the laws of Kohen Gadol are similar not to the me and you situation. They're similar to the nation's situation. What do I mean by that? There's an entire Masechet, <coughs> it's called Masechet Horayot. It talks about what's called Describe if uh, from the eyes of the Edaf that's lost on the Sanhedrin, on the lawmakers of the community, of the nation, a specific law. 
law. They make uh, the Gemara and the Mishnayot try to understand exactly what circumstance. There's a law that's forgotten. Now it's forgotten to the extent that it's not that we knew there is something mutar and we're uncertain if this part's mutar. The whole law is, we call it ha'alem davar. It's completely disappeared from our eyes. We made a mistake to the extent that uh, we thought this was mutar. Not that this aspect, the whole thing we thought was mutar. That's called ha'alim davar. In such a circumstance, we have a, each one of the tribes, and we bring par ha'alim davar shel sibur. Not each individual, but we bring on the collective behalf. For a Kohen Gadol, we look at him, so to speak, as representative of the whole kahal, and as a result, he doesn't bring regular korban hatat the way you and I would. If we made a mistake, we thought that this was mutar on Shabbat or something. No, he doesn't bring korban on hatat like that. He only brings, generally speaking, on ha'alim davar. There's something that's so out of the norm that it completely was unbeknownst to him. This is an isur over here. That's when he brings it. So again, there's a difference between what we call shigigat ma'azeh, mistake in action, and ha'alim davar. Ha'alim davar completely disappeared, completely unbeknownst. I made a mistake because I thought, I didn't realize it was Shabbat. I thought this was Mutar on Shabbat. That's generally speaking the law of the Kohen Gadol. He's so different than you and I that he only brings on Ha'alim Davar. So now back to the words over here. Titania, the Beraita says, Kohen Mashiach Ba'avodat Kochavim. There's one notable exception, perhaps, where the Kohen Gadol will be treated like one of us. Rabbi Omer B'Shigigat Ma'aseh. Rabir, Biuda's opinion, Biudah Nasi's opinion is that Bishigigat Ma'aseh, when it comes to Amudah Zarah, and he derives it from Pesukim, he has the same law as you and me, which means to say if he made a mistake in it, he knew Amudah Zarah is Asur, but he made a mistake in it, Korban Hatat. What's a Korban Hatat? Just like me and you. Se'ira, he brings an animal, the same type of animal as you and me. That's the Biudah, he has a reason from Pesukim to say, Kohen Gadol, when it comes to Avudah Zara, he's like you, me and you, the severity of the circumstance, the Pasuk Tish. Hachamim omrim baha'alem davar. Hachamim disagree, they say, we don't distinguish between Avudah Zara and Shabbat or any other sin. Kohen Gadol has his own status, unique status. Okay. Veshavin and both Rabbi and the Hachamim agree, Shebe Se'ira ki yahid. They agree that the Kohen Gadol, when he brings this korban for this wrongful action of Abu Dazara, he brings a se'ira. Se'ira is, you pay attention to the pesukim, is generally speaking what we bring for korban hatat. That's what it means, kiyahid, like a regular individual. Vishavin and Rabbi and the Hachamim furthermore agree, and we're not, gonna, we're not going into detail on why these are the laws, because it's not our issue. Rashi tells you the Gemarot in Masechet Horayot and elsewhere, which teach you why this, these are the cases. She'en and lastly, everybody agrees, and there's a dirasha on this pasuk as well, uh, how we get to this, that Kohen Gadol never brings asham talui, just for our education. What's an asham talui? Another type of korban. Asham talui is a circumstance where there's a safik whether you sinned. What do you mean safik? There's a doubt whether you sinned. Of course it was bishogeg, but you're not even certain you sinned. How could you not be certain? People saw you, someone's testifying, what's going on? So the classic example is there's two pieces of meat on the table in front of you. One is kosher and one's not kosher. One's chilev and one's shuman. And uh, you went ahead and you ate from one of them. You have no idea which one it was. Nobody knows which one it was. In such a circumstance, Hashem talui. The halakha is Kohen Gadol never brings Hashem talui. Okay, that's the halakha. What does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with Abayin Ravat? Well, Abayin says, I got something going on over here. You mentioned in this beraita that by Avod 
Avodazara, there's something called Shigigat Maaseh. Shigigat Maaseh, again, doesn't mean that the whole concept vanished from me. It means I messed up some detail in the context of Avodazara. That's such a reality. Uh, let me try to figure out what Shigigat Maaseh. When do you have a mistake in Avodazara? Says Abaye, Hai Shigigat Maaseh, quote unquote, Avodat Kochabim. When we talked about a wrongful accidental action in Avodazara, Hechidame, what's the case? Two lines from the bottom. Ikasavar betaknesetu vishtahavalo. Maybe the case is the following. The Queen Gadol's walking down the street. It's a beautiful temple. I love this temple. He thinks it's a Bet Knesset, and so he starts bowing. He starts doing his Avodat Agadosh Baruch Hu in an appropriate fashion. But it's really a bet avodah zarah. So he's bowing to the avodah zarah. Harel bodam shamayim. Says the Gemara, that wouldn't be an isur. Your heart, this Kohen Gadol's heart is la shamayim, to God. So he made a mistake. He thought it was a synagogue and it was really a temple. Right, that's the reality. When it comes down to it, it's an avodah zarah. It's not avodah zarah at all. Libo la shamayim. How would a person make such a mistake? I'm not fully certain, but I have a little bit after my most recent trip, a little bit of an inkling to this. There is, at the very, I mean, this is certainly thousands of years after the Gemara, but maybe something parallel. There is uh, the earliest synagogues in America, some of them at least, were built like churches. Mamash, not that they took churches and turned them into synagogues. They were built like churches. I saw two of them just recently. That was a scary thing. You walk in, it's got a steeple, and it's how you walk in, and the, the pews look like, and the tall seats. And almost, almost on the on the stained glass windows, almost looks like a cross. I mean, it's an amazing. They literally modeled it after the churches. They came to the New World. This is what was explained. This is this was Orthodox Sephardi synagogues in the it's before the establishment of America. And so they came to the New World, and they didn't know how to build. They didn't know how to build in the New World an appropriate sanctuary. So they copied the Christians. Apparently, that's the reality. Now, I'm not saying it's disgusting per se. It's a little uncomfortable. I'll be honest with you, but I can understand. You came, you don't know how to do it. I don't know why they didn't model it after the old, but maybe the construction or whatever. But I'm telling you, mamash, you'll, you, it's, 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 you shudder in the, in the circumstance. Anyway, that's, that's the best I could come up for, how he makes this mistake. But ultimately speaking, we're stuck. What she got ma'azeh? She got ma'azeh. I'm trying to figure out a situation where there's avodazara by mistake, avodazara by mistake. It can't be that. That's not avodazara at all. I'm bowing, I'm worshiping God. Says the Gemara, maybe the circumstances, the haza andarta vishtahavalo. Maybe he saw a statue of sorts, and they used to make statues of the kings. And he thinks there are different types. The Gemara Masechet Avodah talks about there's some types of statues where it bowed to it as respect for the king, like Charlie talked about earlier. It bowed to respect for the king. Other ones, you bow to it, and you're supposed to be worshiping it. Oh, the king is a deity. You bow down to it out of worship. The fellow is walking, the Kohen Gadol is walking in the street, and he passes by I don't know, in the park, and he sees the statue of the king. Everybody's bowing to it, so he bows to it. And he doesn't realize that they're bowing L'Shem Avodah Zarah. But he's doing it L'Shem Kabod. So says the Gemara, if he's doing L'Shem Kabod, same question. That's not Shigat That's not Avodah Zarah at all. Ikibele ale be'eloa mezidu. V'ilo kibele ale be'eloa lo kelumu. There's an all or nothing situation. If he accepts that statue as a deity, as a god, and he's bound to it for that, Avodah Zarah, it's mezid. It's not Shogeg, it's not Shigat Ma'aseh. If he doesn't, and that was beautiful. How about that? I mean, not really. Generally, uh, 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 on this andarta, no. But this Kohen Gadol doesn't realize. And he thinks that the bound is Lashem Kabot. 
You're right. If he understands the circumstances, well, there could be different problems. You see, Tosafot earlier, the other answer that I didn't mention, because Jesse answered one of the, gave one of the answers, Tosafot does enter into the mix, and our Gemara does not, that there is uh, hovering above this whole sugya another issue that's undefined here in Masechet Sanhedrin, and that's called Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem means you're sanctifying the name of God. And the Torah says, Kiddush Hashem is very much sanctifying God's name, determined by what it looks like. It's less about what's in your heart. And there's to the extent that you're supposed to give your life up, we always say, Kiddush Hashem. So I have to always wonder throughout this sugya, it has to be that there aren't 10 other Jews around. That's the definition of Kiddush Hashem. But Kiddush Hashem is a very important point and it's very intuitive that Kiddush Hashem is determined not by what's in your heart, but by what people see you doing. By definition, that's the idea. What are they seeing about what you're doing vis-a-vis God? But anyway, says the Gemara, I'm stuck. She got said, what am I going to do? Rather says, the case must be be, says Abayi, I found Shigigat Mazet. The circumstances as follows. You walk by, you see the statue, you have, I don't know, fear and awe of the king, you realize that they're doing it you bow, but you're not doing it because ah, you're doing it because of fear or love. There's peer pressure of fear. There's a love of the king. And as a result, you're doing an Avodah mistakenly because says is Asur, that Shigigat Mazet. So I found my Shigigat Ma'aseh by Kohen Gadol. Again, Kohen Gadol. There's a circumstance where you have Shigigat Ma'aseh on Avodah Zarah. How do you find such a circumstance? Says Abaya, I figured it out. Ahavah Yira. I don't know. You see the statue. You see the situation. And you have Ahavah Yira. Whatever the circumstances. You make it up. And you think that's permitted, Kohen. Gadol. And you did so. But it's Asur. Shigigat Ma'aseh. Says Rava, how are you going to respond to that? That's the one in-between case I could find where you actually could be mistaken and it actually is prohibited. Rava, Amar Lecha, Lo. Says Rava, no, no, it's not the case of Shigigat You have a better case of Shigigat Ma'aseh. Be'omer Mutar. Says Rava, the case must be that the circumstance of this Kohen Gadol is that he thinks... There's no Avodah Zarah. I don't know how he found such a demented individual. I don't know how he got into the position of Kohen Gadol. But in theory, he's Omen Mutar. He thinks Avodah Zarah is permitted. That's Shigigat Maser. You may have been listening the whole time. If you've been keeping track at home, y'all remember that there's two concepts. We had something called Shigigat Maser and we had something called Ha'alim Davar. We had something fully disappeared and we had a mistake in circumstance. Omen Mutar sounds like Ha'alim Davar. That's the standard situation. We had a mahlok between it being hachamim. Does it need to be over here? Ha'alem davar as well. Or is shigigat maaseh says gemara ha'inu ha'alem davar. That's a case of ha'alem davar. If he doesn't know about avodah zarah, that's not called shigigat maaseh. That's our standard mistake of kohen gadol. Says says Rava be'omer mutar legamre ha'alem davar kiu mixat ubitu mixat. Rava has this tremendous chidush, which is very hard to understand, but we'll present it anyway. Says Rava, here's how you have to split it. Ha'alim davar and shigigat ma'aseh are differentiated by the following. Shigigat ma'aseh means omen mutar. I thought it was permitted. It sounds like ha'alim davar. No, that's omen mutar. You thought it was completely permitted. That's shigigat ma'aseh for the kohen gadol. Ha'alim davar is, I realize it's prohibited, 
but its details I didn't understand. I thought that it's only prohibited to slaughter and I was uh, burning. I thought that it's only prohibited to libate and I was slaughtering and so forth. And so as a result, says Rava, that's how you found Shigigat Maaseh, by slicing our definitions a bit differently, which ultimately speaking, although it's a difficult sell, Rava wiggled out of this one as well. And as a result, we now have stuck we don't know what's the halacha. And the Gemara launches into another conversation which will bring us back to it, but it'll take a little bit of time and we'll begin that conversation now. Again, what we're now going to do is we're going to start a conversation. It sounds like it has little relevancy. It's going to sound like it has something to do with Abu Dazara, nothing to do with It's going to take some time until we wheel it back in. So the Gemara taught in front of Rabbi Yohanan the following A person does any of those uh, sacrificial rites he zibeach, he slaughters, kiter, he burns, he smokes, nisech, he libates, or as we said it's uh, zirikat adam as well he bowed means with one, uh, one forgetfulness. In other words, he doesn't realize during the whole slew of actions that he takes that this is wrong, that these are avodah zarah. So he does a lot of things bishogeg. How many korbans does he bring? Again, it's not b'mezid. This is what we call behe'alim echad. We've talked about this in the past. Eno hayavelachat, one korban. One korban hatat for all this avodah zarah. Lo ta'avdim, one avodah zarah you bring for all these mistakes. All done behe'alim echad. Of course, if you remembered in between, and then you had your, then you went back into your dimension, and then you remembered, and then you have a different korban for each one. This is behe'alim echad. Amal leh, the response, and we'll have to figure out why, not this second, of Rabbi Yohanan to Rabbi Zakai is pok tane libra. Pok means go out, tane, teach, libra, outside. Uh, get out of here. That's ridiculous. What you just taught is wrong. Why is it wrong? So the Gemara will have a longer conversation now. But again, the statement was, if you did all these ma'asim of Abu Dazarah, only one korban hatat. Amar bi Abba, hada amar bi Zakai, mahlok rabbi Yosef, rabbi Natan. Says, says uh, 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 rabbi Abba, that statement of rabbi Zakai, that again, if you did all these actions, l'shem avodah zarah, behe'alim ehad, you have only one korban, that's really dependent upon a mahlok between rabbi Yosef and rabbi Natan. Now this mahlok between rabbi Yosef and rabbi Natan is one of the foundational mahlokot when it comes to Hilchot Shabbat. It appears in Talmud all over the place, and it goes as follows, telling it to you outside, and we'll learn it in starting next week, it goes as follows. The Torah says in Shemot Perekaf that lo ta'aseh melacha, you're not allowed to do melacha on Shabbat. That's it, you're not allowed to do melacha. We include in that 39 melachot, of course. That's one statement in Shemot Perekaf and Parashat Yitro. And then you go ahead 15 chapters to Shemot Perek Lamete, the beginning of Parashat Vayakel, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Moshe teaches, lo teva'aru esh bechol Moshe botechem biyom Shabbat. Don't kindle a fire on Shabbat. I don't say, you told me already, no melacha, lo ko melacha, and so forth. And now you tell me, just don't kindle a fire, it's one of the 39, havara. Why does the Torah specify havara? And there's a mahlokir about how to understand that. Either havara is separate, it's distinct. Whereas the other 38 melachot, if you do it b'mezid with a hatra'a, you get put to death with skila. If you do it b'mezid without a hatra'a, you get karet. When it comes to havara, kindling a fire, lilav it's only a malkot, you only get lashes, it's a mitzvah, lo ta'asir, that's it. For one reason or another, the Torah is telling you, look, 
this one's different, just don't do this one. The other one's liable for death penalty, not this one. That's one approach. The other approach, which of course is going to be the most relevant to us right here, is havara lehalek yasat, which means to say the Torah specifies and takes out havara as a paradigm. It's an example for all the other ones. And it's telling you, don't think that if you do all of these things, they all constitute one wrongful action. 39 wrongful activities on Shabbat, Ziri'ah, Harisha, and so on and so forth. You're not allowed to do any of these melachot on Shabbat. What if I do them all? I forgot them all at once. Is it just called melacha, one korban, or do I split them? And I say melacha A, and melacha B, and melacha C, and so forth. The reason the Torah goes out of its way to say, Lo Shabbat, is to tell you, to split them, to tell you it's a separate korban for each one of them. The suggestion here in the Gemara of Rabbi Abay is that mahlok, that dispute by Avodah Zarah, or that statement by Avodah Zarah, is really dependent upon this mahlok. If I parallel it to Shabbat, I'll now say, if I say, I'll say over here as well, yeah, you're right. There's only one korban, even if you did all these actions all at once. If I say, I'm going to say, Hayav, a separate korban for every one of those actions. And of course, the Gemara will challenge and debate and discuss this as we go on. Baruch Adonai Amen.